across the road, pecking gravel in the noonday sun. Shaking her tail like the queen of the yard, not minding Welcome anyone. to Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week on Building the Bakken, the most trusted energy brand in the Bakken today. As I mentioned a moment ago, Building the Bakken is part of the Crude Life Media Network. We're not a political program, rather an informational brand. No polarizing talk, just conversations about the facts of the energy industry. And that will be challenged today because we are going to talk about the extraction tax, the production tax, and some of the revenues that come with it. And so anytime we talk about taxes and uh, bills and that sort of thing, your mind goes to politics. But these are not necessarily political, it's more informational. There was a new study done by the North Dakota Petroleum Council and the Western Dakota Energy Association. And it talked about the number of oil revenues that the state used and the state was receiving and the different counties it went to. So we interviewed Brent Bogar. He was with Jade Stone Consulting. He put together the study, worked on it, and he talks about a lot of different variety, a lot of different angles when it comes to that study. So I, I think that you folks are really going to enjoy this interview with Brent Bogar uh, with Jade Stone Consulting. In terms of where the money's going for the oil and gas, a little preview for you. 50% of North Dakota's tax revenue comes from the oil and gas industry. And that's just on the surface. Brent Boger and I discuss it to where we challenge it might even go as much as 60 or more when you really look under the microscope. Think about all those guys living in the hotels, guys and girls living in the hotels out there that are not necessarily North Dakota residents, but are contributing to the different taxes out there, whether it be the recreational tax, the tourism tax, or the uh, sales taxes from those uh, local areas they shop at, uh, vehicle registrations, that sort of thing. So um, that was not included in the study. Anyway, w- w- it's, it's right around the corner. Stick around. You're going to be all about it. And then we talk with Mural Pepcorn. Mural Pepcorn is introducing a bill in North Dakota to raise the extraction tax uh, from 5% to 6.5%, percent and a half. So he's going to go into the lion's den here. I, I've known Mural for a long time. Uh, he's a good, good guy. And uh, I, when I talked to him about it, I said, tell you what, um, I'm not sure you're going to change anybody's mind. Uh, most of our programming is on radio stations that are in oil and gas communities. And most of the people that download our podcast and listen to our interviews are primarily people that work in the energy industry. But you know what? Hey, we're all about being fair. We're all about getting the facts out there. And so uh, Meryl Pepcorn is going to join us, and he's going to talk about why he thinks the oil and gas uh Extraction tax should be raised from 5% to 6.5%. And a little preview on that interview, too. Uh, I challenge him a little bit on, aren't we, aren't we taking too much from that industry? If 50% of the state of North Dakota's tax revenue is coming from the oil and gas industry, and now you want to get even more, isn't it time that we say maybe the government's becoming a little too reliant on the oil and gas revenues? And so he's, he understands that question. Nice civil conversation uh, a little bit later in the program. Uh, boy, that's a 
tough sell these days. Civil conversation. Who the heck has those? Well, we do right here on Building the Bucket and the Crude Life Media Network, the Crude Life Media Network, where we like to have the civil conversations. All right, what else do we got going on here? Well, we're going to try to get to Monty Bessler. Not sure we're going to get to him, but the, the API Chili cook-off is right around the corner. And if we can't get him on today's program, we'll have him on next week. Uh, we still got time before the uh, API Williston Chili cook-off February 6th uh, happening. Let me just pull up the information here really quickly because I think it's important that you folks know about this. This is one of the big ones, 38th annual, February 9th, not the 6th. I was a little uh, upside down there. February 9th, 2019, uh, doors open at 3 p.m. It's the API uh, Williston's. And music by Slamboree, Chili served at 5 o'clock. And you can go check out their uh, website, WillistonAPI.com. Hopefully we'll get to him, but I tell you what, uh, I know Brent's got a lot to say. I know Miro Pepcorn's got a lot to say. And we got to take a break so we can get back and get right into, oh my word, I almost forgot about Mr. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, with our weekly Davis refinery update. That's right around the corner. That's what's coming up next is that. So we got to get to that because we got a packed show today. Packed show. Brent Boger, Jade Stone Consulting, talking about oil and gas tax revenues and important stuff because this is, this is what helps build communities here. And then we talk with uh, Miro Pepcorn, and he wants to raise the oil and gas tax from 5 to 6.5%. Uh, he's been warned. He's going in the lion's den, so I'm not sure that you know it's he's going to change too many minds. But hey, we'll give you an opportunity to speak because that's what we do right here on the Building the Bakken and the Crude Life Media Network. Okay, got to go to a quick break. We come back. We're going to be joined with William Prentice with the Meridian Energy Group with our weekly Davis Refinery update. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken on the Crude Life Media Network. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, we talk with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. But first, this announcement hot off the press this week with the Meridian Energy Group and their water allocation permit for the Davis Refinery. The announcement was that the administrative law judge has recommended that the Office of North Dakota State Engineer affirm the water allocation permit for Meridian, which was issued in July of 2017. So after almost a year and a half, they're finally getting the okay. Meridian has received the recommendation decision from the Office of the State Engineer for the Davis Refinery Allocation Permit for the groundwater to be drawn from the Dakota Aquifer. Now, the Dakota Aquifer is a briny, non-potable water formation approximately 5,700 feet below the Earth's surface. What does all that mean? 
That means it doesn't compete in any way with any other potable water consumption. So nobody's going to be drinking this water. Nobody's even using this water for anything. It is not for human consumption. All this information and data has been scientifically verified and confirmed by analysis. So the decision of the Office of State Engineer has now been reviewed and the recommendation has been issued that the Office of State Engineers should once again approve the allocation as permitted. So once again, very good news for the Meridian Energy Group and the Davis Refinery and the citizens of Belfield, North Dakota. Another hurdle has been uh, jumped over, another step closer to the reality of the Davis Refinery, the first greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in the last 50 years. Davis Refinery, once again, is being designed with a throughput capacity of 49,500 barrels per day of Bakken crude oil. And now let's get a quick update from William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group on the Davis Refinery as part of our weekly Davis Refinery update. I can remember talking to you a couple of years ago and just saying that uh, we we're extremely happy to be, to be becoming part of the uh, the Bakken and part of the North Dakota business community, and I still feel that way. We're eager to get going out there and uh, grateful for all the support that we've seen. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host. This is Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Just the sound of the freeway Kissing you in the dark Wishing you would stay And your baby blue eyes. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard of the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, we talk with Brent Bogar, Jade Stone Consulting. Name is Brent Bogar. I work with Jade Stone Consulting. Excellent. Thank you for joining the program here today. And one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about was a new study or a new, I guess, uh, paper, white paper, or something along those lines. It's been done. It's a projection of oil and gas um, taxes or a collection of the something along those lines. It has to do with uh, oil and gas taxes and the state of North Dakota. And I'll let you kind of fill in the blanks from there because I'm. this is new. I mean, I just got this press release yesterday, and I haven't really even had a chance to uh, take a look at it. So um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about it, and you're going to take the lead on it because I'm skimming as we go. Sounds good. Yeah, what we've got here is the North Dakota Petroleum Council and Western Dakota Energy Association. They partnered to put together a a report that really went back and looked at since the um, really kind of the birth of the Bakken in um, 2007 um, through 2018, which for the state would be fiscal years 2008 to 2018. Look at all of the taxes specific to the oil industry. So that would be the production tax and the extraction tax. And just look at those two taxes and say, how much has the state collected in those tax dollars? And where have those tax dollars gone? The Petroleum Council, they have the position of, we want to, we want to see where the money's um, going. As the industry, they pay these taxes. Um, and so where is the money being put to use? Western Dakota Energy, kind of the same thing, but they wanted to see, you know, um, try to 
in a sense, break down this east versus west wall, that everyone has benefited from the um, oil industry and the taxes that are being paid by the state. Um, there's always going to be the argument of who needs more or wants more. Um, I joke and say, you know, every community wants an extra 5%, but at some point it adds up to over 100%, so you, no one's ever going to get exactly what they want. But that's what this kind of the uh, background of this report was, is let's let's look at this and let's see how much has gone in to the state and where has it been put to use. And so we um, gathered that information together. Um, it turns out that over the last 11 fiscal years for the state, we're just shy of $18 billion paid in in extraction and production taxes. Uh, always um, clarify that because that doesn't include the additional taxes that the industry pays, sales tax, income tax, local property taxes. This is just those two specific taxes to this industry, um, the extraction and production tax and where that money goes. Um, it's pretty phenomenal when you think about that. Um, the numbers show that, you know, for the state, the state collects a number of taxes. We're talking over the last five years, uh, the extraction and production tax coming into the state that the state's collected is 50% of all of the taxes that the state has collected. That's sales tax, income tax, motor vehicle tax. When you ta total up all the taxes that the state collects, extraction and production tax equal 50% of those dollars. So it's a um, pretty significant amount of revenue here. to the state. So you're saying out of all the taxes, 50% comes from those two taxes? That's correct. And what over the last five years? Over the last five years, and that I, well, does that include income tax and all those others too, or just some a certain? It area? does. So, out of all the nope. taxes in North Dakota, fifty percent of them come from the production and extraction tax. That's that, correct. That is kind absolutely of. incredible. Is that is that the norm in states like Texas and you know Alaska, states that you know are in the top? New Mexico, the top four for oil production, or is that something unique to North Dakota? Because I've always been told that North Dakota has the highest extraction tax or one of the highest in the nation. Yeah, it, it's not the norm, Jason, is that this is um, that level of dependency of revenues coming from um, a single industry like Texas, um, there's a number of, and obviously when we start getting into uh, tax policies, comparing state to state's always a tough thing. For example, in Texas, they don't have a production tax that's collected at the state because they allow property tax at the wellhead for the local communities. And so there's always this kind of differential sure. um, where the North Dakota, they collect everything at the state and so then distribute it back, whereas some states don't. And then Alaska is always tough to compare to because people like to look at Alaska, you know, even like with here in North Dakota, we hear about the, the legacy fund is one of the funds that these tax dollars go into. Um, and people say, why can't we be out like Alaska and pay, pay the citizens a dividend check like Alaska does? Well, Alaska collects taxes, but Alaska also owns the minerals and collects the, right. the royalties on those minerals. North Dakota doesn't own the minerals. They're owned by private individuals. Right. Al so, Alaska, it's like a ta tax rebate every year, except for its oil. That, that's all. Yeah. Yep. And if, talk to people that uh, are that do business up there. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating because in order to get 
a single thing done, you got to put it through the legislative process for oil and gas. And you know that time is money in yep. oil and gas. So, no, I, I understand Absolutely. all that. But so my, my question, I guess, is more of when you kind of as a broad brush, North Dakota is very reliant on oil and gas taxes. I mean, that's that 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 is plain as day. If if fifty percent of the tax yep. revenue comes from those two taxes, you're not even including the amount of uh, of uh, Halliburton trucks and the amount of those those um, license registrations and out of fees t- uh, taxes. I mean, because there there's a let's be honest, there's a lot of people that live in Western North Dakota and even on the east side here. Uh, where if the oil and gas industry is not percolating and not moving, they're not living in our state. And so, therefore, all of that tax revenue goes away, too. I'm sure that your study did not get into that, but I do think it is worthy of mentioning. It is worthy of mentioning because, like, you're exactly right, Jason. It doesn't include the sales tax, all of those vehicles. I mean, they talk roughly two hundred to $300,000 in state sales tax for every um, well that's drilled. Um, so, you know, much larger impact to the state than just the extraction and production tax. Now, Petroleum Council, I believe in March, um, every two years, they actually commission NDSU to do an economic impact study that takes a look at those um, other taxes as well as kind of the um, secondary effects, as you know, one job in, you know, in the oil industry, well, that means you need people in support industries, whether it's retail or restaurants or services and those types of things. So they have an economic impact study coming out that looks at that, um, those secondary effects. Um, But to say that the industry is key to the state, I think, is almost an understatement at this point. Well, it is. I mean, I listen, I, I, I do an oil and gas show, and I've been doing it for like six years now, seven years. And it's no secret that I am very upfront when I tell people that oil and gas is vital to the economy. It's First of all, it's the only industry that's added jobs over the last 10 years. If you take every industry in the, in, in the United States and look at the net gain of jobs, all this entrepreneur and technology and startups and and all these new things, they haven't produced a net gain in jobs after 10 years. The mining industry, aka oil and gas, is the only one that's done so. So when I take a look at a solid industry like that, and they are reliant on on pricing though, they're they're reliant on pricing, To see a state so reliant on it and then constantly trying to figure out new ways to get more money out of it, that that really, that's not, to me, that's the wrong direction. Like, instead of trying to get more money, because I'm, I'm talking with uh, Meryl Pepcorn a little bit later today, and he's got some new extraction tax, and I don't know much about it, but he's trying to increase, he's trying, basically at the end of the day, he's trying to get more money from the oil and gas companies, and I, I get I get it because I, I do a program that's energy themed. That doesn't mean I, I'm not a, a, a logical, sensible person because when you start trying to get more money out of there, um, that's not the right way to go. It, you you want to diversify your taxes and that sort of thing so that in times of up and down, your government can stay stable and not. I mean, listen, if, if oil goes down to 30 bucks next week, which it can, and it has before, and and we all remember the '90s 
It was a decade of low oil prices. It wasn't a couple months. It was a decade. So this stuff historically has happened before. My my question is, is, is the state aware of this? And are they trying to do anything to correct it? This is great. I'm going to ask Merrill this question later on that. What, why are you trying to put more eggs in the same basket? Okay. All right. Yep. There, there, there's my soapbox question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and I, I, I agree with you, Jason. I think we've got to be practical, you know, um, as even um, working out in Western North Dakota and the Western Dakota Energy Association and its members, they used to, they'd come down to the session every, every year or every time um, here to Bismarck and basically say, uh, quick kill, don't kill the golden goose. Mr. Brent Bogart, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to continue the conversation with Brent Bogart with Jade Stone Consulting. My name is Jason Spies and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. This week we're spotlighting Brooks West, the singer-songwriter. Check his website out, brookswestmusic.com. That's brookswestmusic.com. This is singer-songwriter Brooks West. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. From apartment to apartment, state to state, and it doesn't really matter where I go. There's only one place I could call my own. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, we continue our conversation with Brent Bogar with Jade Stone Consulting. out of it before you're going to kill it and that's that's where like this idea of increasing the extraction tax and where that comes from is in 2015 the legislature reduced the extraction tax from six and a half percent to five percent and um in exchange for that they got rid of what was called the big trigger which because oil prices had collapsed would have actually reduced the extraction tax to zero percent and it would have stayed at that rate for nearly two years before it would have come back in and obviously if we would have had the big trigger that would have been a huge loss to the state um merrill and others say well you didn't need to reduce the rate you could have kept it at six and a half and just got rid of the big trigger I don't personally I don't agree with that because the Bach in North Dakota competes with Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, Oklahoma for these capital dollars that the industry invests. They have other options. Other options that quite frankly 
are more lucrative. You don't have cold weather. You don't have transportation restrictions, you know, capacity restrictions on pipelines and stuff in these other fields. And so you have to remember we're competing on a not just a national but a global market. And to continue to increase taxes on a single industry, um, as you said, A, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. You're continuing to lean on that basket instead of looking at ways to diversify. And when you see these numbers that we're talking, the amount of money that comes into this state just from this industry, it's that's a huge reliance on a single industry to support state programs, state funding for everything from education to water projects to roads. I mean, it's, it's not like it's just in one area that the state uses the oil revenue. I mean, it supports the general fund. It's been used to build schools. It's been used to build um facilities on our university campuses. It's been used to fund K-12 education, um, highways, water projects, flood control. I don't think you can find a a thing that has not received the benefit of the oil industry. So I'm looking at this, this white paper you guys put together, this executive summary, and the headline is State Oil Tax Distribution by type, fiscal years 2008 to 2018. And you've got a list of all the counties across North Dakota. And then the next thing is uh, property tax, I want to say. Yep. And talk to me about that a little bit in terms of the oil tax distribution. Now, when I look at, say, Cass County, and it says $93 million and some change, is that how much the oil tax has given Cass County? And then 322 yep. million and and well 323 million actually in water. So the oil taxes that have been extracted from Western North Dakota have been repurposed by the state and redistributed to say Cass County in the tune of 93 million dollars in property tax relief. Is that accurate? That's correct. Yeah. The, oh and, wow. Um, Wow, that I can yeah. see where this is going to cause some problems. You, you know, if you take the line across on Cass County, um, it's close to a billion dollars. It's close to, I mean, it's yeah. dollars. I'm sorry, we're going to round up seventy-three million, and so we're going to yeah. say, we're going to call it eight eight hundred and twenty-one million. Now let's let's juxtapose that, by the way, with is it Williams County that Dickinson's in? Williams County is Williston. That is the, the okay. highest. Now, now, good for them. They, now, Williston's got some money. They got close. You know, they got nine hundred and forty-three million. So, that is a good sign, though. That is a good sign because that's you know that was the hotbed. And and what a lot of people don't know that are listening to this, whether you're in Wyoming or whether you're in South Dakota or Montana or even if you're in North Dakota, a lot of these roads in Western North Dakota are actually getting getting updated for the first time in a century. I mean, a lot of time, well, maybe not a century, but they were built to basically have a couple combines a year go down them. And that was it. I mean, these roads were so underbuilt, a rainstorm would literally move part of the road off of the road, (laughs) part of the asphalt off the road. So that's a good sign, at least, you know, that there's some investment going in there because I'm looking at, you know, a lot of it looks like transportation and some road stuff. So that's a good sign. That, you know, we're not going to totally pick it, it, on this thing. <laughs> no, no, it, it is a good thing. And, and that was even with Western Dakota Energy. Jeff Simons, their executive director, and he looks at this and he says, you know, this 
this shows that there has been investment made out west to support the industry. Um, as I said, everyone's going to argue that they need more, those types of things, and you know, I'm not going to parse into that one, but uh, the reality is, is we've made, the state has made significant investments in the communities out west to support the industry, but it's made these investments across the state for some of these projects. Um, and so I think it's, the state as a whole has very much benefited, but we have to recognize the, the benefits coming from a single industry. And I guess from my standpoint, that's, that's what I see in this study is how much the state has become dependent on a single industry. And we have to make sure that we, you know, I'll say it this way. We need to make sure we take care of the industry with appropriate regulations. Is the tax burden the, the right tax burden? Raising the taxes on an industry that has been supporting you this much might not be the smartest thing at this point in time when we're still in a very weak egg economy. Um, and some of the other economic indicators of the state are not exactly the strongest. And so do you really want to pick on the one that's actually um, growing and supporting you? Well, and it's it's really one of the few that's still pretty diverse in terms of economic ripple. You start looking at the UA, yep. you start looking at the UAS industry and some of the technology, that's pretty centralized. There's not the robust um, economic ripple that the oil and gas industry brings in. And um, I, I, I don't know if I phrased that correctly, but I, I, I think I kind of made a little bit of a point there that there's, there's a little bit more opportunity, yeah. you know? Yeah, with, with the oil and gas industry, you think about it, um, you know, obviously you have the direct impacts, the drilling and the production happening in Western North Dakota, but the amount of engineering, the amount of manufacturing that's occurring, and even in the Red River Valley, Grand Forks, Fargo, the number of jobs that are supported, that those spinoff jobs, I think of, I can think of a couple of firms specifically in Grand Forks um, that have done tons of construction and building in Western North Dakota for these communities, whether it's building schools, whether it's building warehouses or other buildings. And so there, there is a much more broader ripple effect with an industry like uh, the oil and gas. Real quickly, how can people access this information? Do you guys have it at a website or something? We do. It's actually um, at taxstudy.ndenergy.org. Uh, ndenergy.org is the Western Dakota Energy Association's uh, website. Okay. And we just we made it a nice, easy link, um, taxstudy.ndenergy.org, for people to go out there and find this information. Outstanding. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. To listen to the full-length interview with Brent Bogar with Jadestone Consulting or to listen to other full-length interviews and exclusive features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Senator Miro Pepcorn about his proposal to raise the extraction tax from 5% to 6.5%. Mr. Pepcorn is going to come into the lion's den here on the Crude Life Media Network, Building the Bakken Radio. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard of the Crude Life Media Network. When I feel lost and separated And every step I take Falls on foreign ground And I feel like going back to North Dakota 
Take a job, find a wife, and finally settle down. But right now I'm addicted to emotion and freedom at my selfish solitude provides. And I'd hate to think that I'd become a stranger to the place where I was born, where my heart still resides. Where the nighttime lights earth and line on the horizon Under the soft red glow of the wintertime sea clouds And all the memories come falling down on me Every time I roll back to town Every time I roll This week we're spotlighting Brooks West, the singer-songwriter. Check his website out, brookswestmusic.com. That's brookswestmusic.com. This is singer-songwriter Brooks West. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. You can run from the wintertime in the midnight black. Your neck, snow on the road like the fingers of a ghost. Wind is crying through a crack in the window. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, we talk with Senator Merrill Pipcorn. Very brief history. Back in the 50s, when oil was discovered in North Dakota, it didn't take long to establish a 5% production tax, which basically uh, served the same purpose as a property tax. Okay, so that's been in place same rate since the 50s. In 1980, due to an initiated measure, it's uh, a frequently used process to enact laws in North Dakota. It it, uh, begins in the citizenry with petition gathering and then voting, and it becomes law through the initiated measure system. Well, in 1980, a 6.5% oil extraction tax, that's a tax on the amount of oil that comes out of the ground, was made law. Okay, that made the total effective rate 11.5% taxed on oil, the production tax and the extraction tax. That served us well and well until 2015. Well, it turns out in 2015, the legislature lowered the extraction tax to 5%. And, of course, then uh, that meant a lot less revenue from, from the robust oil in, uh, industry. But why they lowered it, is because in the law at that time, there was something called a trigger. Mm-hmm. And if oil would, and I, I, I'm 
not exactly sure, so but we're close. It, it really isn't that important. But let's just say that that trigger price was at thirty dollars, and if oil fell be, below thirty dollars a barrel, that that extraction tax, that six and a half percent tax, would virtually be zeroed out. And maybe it would be a half a percent, very minuscule, and that would have uh, been uh, really, really tough times for the state government. So I, I don't know how these figures were arrived at, uh, how how it was made. But when the legislature realized that we've got to get rid of this trigger that will eliminate the extraction tax, we're also going to lower the tax from 65 to 5%. Now, what the public doesn't know, what they don't understand, because it's been spun in another way, that the legislature could have eliminated the trigger but maintained that 6.5% rate. And over the past four years, that would have meant... Uh, almost, well, hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't want to say a billion dollars, but it would have made a difference of hundreds of millions of dollars over the past two bienniums. So that's the deal. The rate was lower to 5%, but it didn't need to be. It could have stayed at six six and a half while still, you know, uh, eliminating that trigger. So now we're just introducing a bill to restore it to that 6.5%, which uh, served the state well for those 25 25 years okay so that's that's pretty much what the bill is is that you're looking that's what it is increasing from it, five and a half to six yeah from five no from five to six and a half. Oh, five to six and a half okay yeah, making the effective overall <laughs> rate with the production and extraction 11 and a half percent you know we just heard the state of the state speech a few years ago and in that speech the chief justice of the north dakota supreme court came back his staff was cut by 30 positions uh uh two years ago and he, he needs an extra judge. He needs people working in his system. And the higher education is looking for $100 million over the next two years. UND and NDSU are two research universities for research to drive the future here of business in North Dakota. We have six major water districts. They each have budgets of approximately $50 million each. Where I'm from, Fargo, they're asking for $50 million for a Red River water supply to get water from the Missouri River to Fargo-Moorhead for uh, economic uh, development purposes. Water is always important. And they also are asking for $50 million for flood diversion. So there's just an example of, of some of the demands, some of the, uh, well, let's not call them demands, some of the asks of state government for money. And I, you know, there's a lot of really, really good places to spend money, including our K-12 education. And that's why we're looking to restore this tax to provide these services that'll make our state uh, healthier, not only physically, but uh, but mentally as well. Just have us better prepared as a, as a population. Here's um, some things that I, I like to bring bring up on this, because yeah. obviously yeah, yeah. you know that I'm, I'm a pretty big proponent when it comes to oil and gas. And, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I own 1.43 mineral acres. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're rolling in it then. <laughs> I'm rolling. That doesn't make me an oil baron, but no, I know a little bit about it. My yeah. family's from County, and you know, we're not out to shut down the oil industry for God's no, sake. No, oh no, we're, no. But anyway, you were going to say something, Jason. Well, I was going to say so. So there's some there's some things I guess I, I need clarification on a little bit because yeah, yeah. yep. you know I, yep. I I understand that the idea of taxes and the way they work and everything, yep. but yep. Th- this one kind of per- piqued my interest a little bit. For one, yep. um, no, I doesn't North Dakota have one of the highest uh, taxes already because we've got what a production tax and an extraction tax and if you put those yep. together it uh, it's like 10 11 percent um 11 and a half. 
Eleven and a half, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah if, with, yeah. with the six and a half percent extraction tax, that would be eleven. Okay. Of course. Now, uh, one thing I found out. I wanted to find out exactly where we were. Yeah. I I would say, Jason, we're above the middle, but we're by no means the highest. Alaska is way up there. I think Sarah Palin had something to do with that. But <laughs> yeah, still, they're still doing all right. And Oklahoma is the lowest. To listen to the full-length interview with Senator Muriel Pepcorn or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. So you got a place to land that's soft and warm, And that concludes another awesome episode of Building the Bakken Radio, and I would like to personally thank each and every one of you who listened and tuned in our program this week. There are so many options out there for content and entertainment today, and we are so grateful that you have chosen Building the Bakken Radio and the Crude Life Media Network for your option today. Again, thank you once again for listening to our program, our non-political, non-polarizing program known as Building the Bakken Radio. Now, was there an interview that you wanted to check out? Well, you can access past shows, features, and full-length interviews at thecrudelife.com. We would also like to invite you to be a part of our social media network. Join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts. We have quite a presence in many of the shale plays, like the Permian, Eagleford, Marcellus, Niobrara, and many, many more. It's all part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out. If you go to crudelife.com, click on our social media tabs. We've got a list of our social media sites, over 350,000 followers. We're strong. We're growing every day when we invite you to be a part of our social media network here at the Crude Life Media Network. Now, when you're at the crudelife.com, be sure to click on our sponsors page. These sponsors make this program happen. Now, we've got some outstanding sponsors here at the Crude Life Media Network, and we ask you to please support them when you can. You know what? Heck, just reach out and say hello sometime. That's nothing like a nice hello. Click on the sponsors page. Check them out, crudelife.com. Thank you once again for listening to Building the Bakken Radio this week. We will be back next week right here on this radio station at this time once again. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Thank you once again for joining us this week, and remember, keep calm and frack on. Got glitter in the headlights, like silver sprites. They disappear like phantoms in waves of white. And every drop of water in the world is ice. Sharpened in the sickles like silver knives The lines keep coming where the lanes divide it You and the road in the middle of the night It's you and the road in the middle of the night This week we're spotlighting Brooks West, the singer-songwriter Check his website out, brookswestmusic.com That's brookswestmusic.com This is singer-songwriter Brooks West It's gonna be enough to me, I'm gonna unfold my arms So you got a place to land that's soft and Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, 
and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 